Hey friends, welcome to my weekly Q&A. Coming to you from a uh, kind of dark, rainy France today. I'm in my home in France for a few days. And uh, in a moment, I have five questions all about life in the Holy Spirit. I'll jump into those in a moment. Let me do a few quick housekeeping things as usual. If you're new to my ministry, my name's Graham. I'm a British, sort of nearly French-American. Uh, born in the UK, lived here in France where I am today for 20 years, now live in the US. I lead a little group of churches in New England, travel, conduct crusades, preach Jesus saves and Jesus heals, Jesus sets free and Jesus fills with the Holy Spirit. Um, you can find more about me on my ministry website, ggm.org. I want to say a big thanks to all of our new subscribers on YouTube. I think we have now 361,000, so way to go for that. We're believing the Lord for 1 million people to be watching these videos every month. So, uh, yep, thank you guys for that. Lastly, uh, big thanks to all of the partners of my ministry as well. We have some new partners joined recently. And if you'd like to join that group, there is a link below for that. Good. So I have five questions today about life in the Spirit. Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Do all Christians speak in tongues? Which is my gift of the Spirit? And how can I see the power of the Spirit in my life? Good questions. So let's jump into these. Question number one. Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Really easy answer. Um, you know, I think at times we probably well-meaning people throw clumsy language at this question. So does all, do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do all Christians, I'm going to talk about this in question number two, but all Christians have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I would actually say no. Let me, let me give you an example of that. Jesus, if I came to you and if we, we could visit Jesus at age 20, would you say Jesus had the Holy Spirit in him? No. I mean, of course he did. He was born of the Spirit. And yet at age 30 at the River Jordan, he was baptized with the Spirit. Come back to that in a moment. At the end of John, Jesus, the Gospel of John, Jesus breathes on the disciples. This is post-resurrection, remember, and says, receive the Spirit. And then he says, wait until you be filled with power on the day of Pentecost. Subsequent experience. You know, there's just many, many times where you see somebody being born again and then the baptism of the Spirit is a substitute. I can go on and on if you like. Philip came down to Samaria, preached Christ. They were converted. Um, Peter and John come down and pray for them. Not, don't preach the gospel. Not that they would be converted, that they might be filled with the Spirit. Ananias meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Three days later, Paul comes, calls him Brother Saul. Ananias calls him Brother Saul, yeah. You know, you're my brother in Christ. We're, we're born of the Spirit. And he now says, I've come to pray for you. Lay hands on you, um, Paul, that you might be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Acts 18, Paul finds believers in Ephesus and said, did you receive the Spirit uh, when you believed? Now, you see, I would look at it this way. Jesus was born of the Spirit. Did he have Holy Spirit in him? Yes, of course. But at age 30, he was baptized with the power of the Spirit for ministry. Remember Acts 1.8, you receive the power of the Spirit, you'll be witnesses unto me, dunamis, dynamite. So I would put it this way, all Christians have the Holy Spirit in them, absolutely, no question. But there is an anointing, an enabling, a power to be a witness, to be a ministry. And frankly, yeah, I would say 
I think what's happened is in the past, especially in the charismatic movement of the early sixties, mm, seventies, early eighties, people often became there was often this have and have not language like. Charismatics would go to the evangelical brethren and go, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And of course, the evangelical brethren would go like, yes, we do. And it became like this silly pantomime. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you should do it. And they were both right in a certain sense. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit, but there is an anointing of power, a baptism of power that is enabled, that is available to us. And sadly, this is a reality, you could spend the whole of your Christian life, be truly born again, have Jesus on the inside of you, and yet never know that power. It's the state of many in the evangelical church in the world, the kind of John MacArthur crowd. Will they be in heaven? Yes. Have they got the power of the Spirit right now? No, not so much, no. So every, do all Christians have the Spirit? Yes. Um, I would add this as well. Holy Spirit is in every believer. That's a relational thing. That's actually the most important thing in a way. He's in me for me, Bill Johnson says, but he's on me for you. So the, the anointing is God being on us for ministry. Jesus had the Spirit all of his life. And then after his baptism in the River Jordan, he goes to the desert, comes back, goes to his hometown, what does he say? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me. So the Spirit of God is upon us to do. He's in us relationally, but he's upon us to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty the captives, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The anointing is God on us to do. Boom. <clears throat> question number two, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, we've covered that in a way in question number one. Uh, go back and listen to that if you're listening to these as separate answers. I would simply say this, the baptism in the Spirit is a, an experience that, that is available to every single Christian of God filling you with power. Is that power for the Christian life? To some degree, but it's actually mainly power to give witness to the resurrection of Jesus. I gave the analogy in question number one that Jesus... It's like Jesus was, if you can forgive my language, like an evangelical for 30 years. And then at age 30, he became Pentecostal charismatic. I'm going to upset some people with that. My point is Jesus is righteous. He's the child of God. He has the spirit of God in him all the time until age 30. And yet at age 30, he's baptized with power, with an anointing to do, an anointing of ministry. So the baptism of the spirit is an experience that every Christian should have, can have, could have, but don't have, that is available to us where God fills us with his power that we might give witness to the proclamation of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus. Good. Um, how is that experience available? Again, I was in a Pentecostal church for many years. I love those guys, but you don't have to tarry and wait. The early disciples before the Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost had to tarry and wait. And I've seen people who are like, well, I'm waiting to God to fill me with the Spirit. No, God has already poured his Spirit out on all flesh, Acts 2. What we need to do is receive. Now, the remit of my question won't give me time to unpack that, but... Um, how do we receive? We receive simply by faith. We don't receive as an experience. This is an experience, but it's an experience that you can't judge by your experience. You judge it by faith in the word of God. Paul said in Galatians 3 verse 3, I believe it is, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
So we receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith, by simply believing God's promises. Let me answer this one because it, it always comes up as well. Do you have to speak in tongues to prove you're filled with the Spirit? Okay, I want to say, like theologically I want to say no. Practically I usually want to say 98% yes. Here's how I would put that. I believe when you're baptized in the Spirit, you have access to all of those nine gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, to flow out of you. Now, my experience, biblically that's true, in my experience it's true, the, the first gift nearly everybody steps into that is a real release, it's like the gateway gift, is the gift of tongues. So I believe everybody should speak in tongues. I'm gonna to get to this in a later question. You know, I think at times people were filled with the Spirit and prophesied. They spoke in tongues and prophesied in Acts 18. I don't think you have to be filled with the Spirit to prove something, but I think it is a like an initial release and a gateway into that experience. So yes, I would say be baptized in the Spirit and speak in tongues. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Boom. Um, question number three, again, do all Christians speak in tongues? Well, if I was to take that quick question literally, do all Christians speak in tongues? No, all Christians do not speak in tongues. Let me rephrase your question. Can all, is it possible for all Christians to speak in tongues? And I would say emphatically yes. I have never met one person in all of my ministry, and I've been in ministry for many, many years now, uh, probably coming up to 40 years, I've never met one person who didn't want to receive, who wanted to receive this gift, who didn't receive it when they had some simple biblical instruction about faith. Not one. Maybe you will be the first. I doubt it. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And I know you people will go, oh, of course, that's Paul. Paul then said, I want you all to speak in tongues. That's what Paul says. That's your Bible. I want you all to speak in tongues. I believe that gift is available and all the other gifts are available, but they are not foregone conclusions. I think sometimes the Lord will sovereignly just release a gift out of somebody uh, without them even looking for it or thinking of it. I've heard of many, I've heard of, I really don't want to exaggerate, but it sounds like thousands of people, and there's probably millions, you've had this experience of just being alone with the Lord in worship, in prayer, just crying out for more of Him. And suddenly, and they've never heard anybody teach on speaking in tongues. They just, out it flows of them. I think other people, sometimes more thinking intellectual people, and I'm probably from that camp, struggle a little bit with this experience. I, I, I'll tell you really quick my experience. I became a Christian at age 14 in 1984. Around about the age, late six months later, I read the biography of Nikki Cruz, Run Baby Run, crossing the switchblade guy, guy. And in his biography, he explains how he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it was in an AG Bible school in America. Excuse me. He, uh, he, he talked about having liquid fire and honey and gold and oil from heaven flowing all over him and him speaking in tongues and I, I'm this young kid reading that and I'm like man I want that I want that so much so I'm reading this book late at night I literally went for a walk in a field this is about November December of 1984 maybe the early 85 I guess I went out into a field at 3 a.m. so that God would fill me with the spirit and I cried and begged and pleaded and shouted at God for about an hour until I went back tired and depressed. No tongues, no fire, no honey, no angel dust, 
nothing. I just got wet. It was England. Cold. Went back to bed and all miserable. To be honest, I forgot all about it. Carried on reading the book. A bit depressed when I thought about it. About a week later, I woke up one morning speaking in tongues. Half asleep, half awake. It wasn't a decision. It's like I, it probably happened in my sleep. And I woke up and I'm all bored. Now, I think the Lord actually filled me when I asked him. It's just I had a mindset. I was looking for lightning to strike me in the field and for the honey. I was looking for an experience rather than a spiritual reality. So, can all Christians speak in tongues? Absolutely, yes. I believe they can. What was question number four was, what, what is my gift of the Spirit? You know, <laughs> this question always cracks me up. <clears throat> I'll see a lot of teaching, and, and again, it's usually more non-biblical, non-spirit-filled, uh, Pentecostal kind of teaching where people talk, find your spiritual gift. And they'll usually counsel you to do some really dumb course where you tick boxes and then you hand it in and somebody, probably AI these days, will tell you what your spiritual gift is. You know, R.W. Shambok, the evangelist, used to have a great uh, phrase. He used to say, hogwash! And uh, that's what I think of that teaching. Can I say this? Everybody has natural gifting, just innate human gifting. You may be gifted musically, you could be gifted with languages, you may be gifted socially, you may be gifted, you know, in arts and crafts. There are many capacities and things that people have and some have more than others and this is a natural gifting. Okay. Secondly, there are there are giftings that are spiritual but they're more related to what God calls us to do, you know, real spiritual hospitality, administration, um, you know, practical spiritual things that will help you fulfill the call of God in your life. Number three, there are gifts which, gifts isn't a great word, but more like an office would be a better word. Gifts that come down from heaven that remain on a person for all of their life. Like I am called to be, I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to be, um, you know, different people. I don't like ascribing gifts to myself because it's like putting a title on your name, but I'm called to ministry. I didn't choose that. At times I don't want that, sometimes. But God put that gift in me. But lastly, there are these gifts of the Spirit that we're talking about here, which are found in 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible lists nine of them. I actually think the word gift is, well, I know the word gift shouldn't be there in the original text. It's added to our English translation to help the flow of the text. So when people say, what is my gift? Is my gift the gift of tongues? Is my gift the gift of prophecy? Is my gift the gift of healing? I say no to all of those. The gift God gave you is, big reveal, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the gift and he has within him all of those gifts. So I don't think I have the gift of tongues. I have the gift of prophecy. I think we should look at it this way. I have the Holy Spirit living in me and I have within me the ability or the capacity to prophesy, to speak in tongues, to let healing flow through me. And I don't own the gift of tongues. Rather, it flows through me. I don't own the gift of prophecy. It's not like I have the gift of prophecy that I can turn on and off. Rather, when I meet a discouraged person, a person in need of edification, exhortation, and comfort, God can flow a gift of prophecy through me, not to me, but through me to the person. And the gift is actually a gift in time and space, in moment, for that person. So I don't think we should look, I think it's actually a limiting mindset to say, what gift do you have? 
I think rather we should say, I have the ability to all the gifts. I shouldn't really go around looking for gifts. What I should go around is looking for needy people who need Jesus and Holy Spirit will flow in and flow through me. Boom. Question number five, the last question is this, and it's a good one. How can I see more of God's power flow through my life? Now, hmm, you might disagree with this, but let me give you a few practical thoughts on this. Somebody said this to me years ago, and I've come to the conclusion that they are right, though I'd probably have a hard time defending this biblically. So if you want to disagree with me, great. You can come and tell me I'm wrong. But uh, somebody once said to me that we have control of the authority and Holy Spirit has control of the power. Let me say that again. We have, it's like we have 100% control of the authority, of heaven's authority, and Holy Spirit in us has control of God's power. So when I say I've got God's power resident within me, what I'm actually saying is I've got the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, resident within me, which I do. And yet I, I actually, this is my experience, I'd love to meet, I'm not being funny, but I'd love to meet you if you, you have a different experience, but I don't think I can go around controlling the power of God. Yeah, I think Holy Spirit controls the power of God. What I've learned is that when I use the authority of the Lord, Holy Spirit will release the power that's necessary to do that. It's like, imagine if, you know, authority is, authority is not the ability to do something. Authority is the ability to decrease something, to say, it will be thus. Imagine if I had a hundred policemen at my command and I say, right, you know, move that crowd over there. And then they go and they physically remove or push or whatever it would take to move that crowd. Um, it's a little bit like that. We have authority over sickness and disease. Holy Spirit is the one who causes it to happen. So how do we get more power in our life? I'm going to give you a few quick keys, three quick keys. Number one, grow in your authority in the Lord. Grow in your authority. Realize you have all authority. I'd really encourage you to read the book, uh, The Authority of the Believer by Kenneth Hagin. Uh, the Wonderful Name of Jesus by E.W. Kenyon. Really classical book. Grow in, in your knowledge of the authority. Number two, grow in your intimacy with, Lord, with the Lord. Spend time with him. Pray in tongues much. Let the Holy Spirit flow in and flow through you. I think Holy Spirit is in us, but I think for a lot of us, it's like we have clogged pipes. We have clogged arteries and learn to love and worship him a lot. You, beloved, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, keeping yourself in the love of God, Jude 1, verse 19 and 20. So the more we pray in the Spirit, the more that power will flow through us. And thirdly, I would say this, put yourself in situations where the power needs to flow. Put a demand on the power, not by you saying, God, give me power, give me power, give me power, but rather go put your hands on sick people's heads Take authority over that sickness, command it to go, and believe that the power will flow through you. I'll say this last thing as well. Don't confuse the power of God with the feeling, the emotion, the sensation of the experience of the power of God. Really important truth. There's a difference between feeling power and believing by faith that power is there. Do you remember when all the people were in a crowd touching Jesus? And then that woman with the issue of blood touched him, but she touched him. She touched him with a hand, the hem of the garment, amen. But she touched him with faith. And it was faith that turned the switch on that let the power flow. It would behoove us to think about that because that's exactly the same way, the same place, the same key. 
that will cause the Lord's power to flow in and through us. Boom. Thanks, guys, for watching. I trust you're having a great day. I'll be speaking tomorrow in uh, Eglise Zoe uh, near the town of Tons. Um, and I'll be back in the US in the coming week. So hit that subscribe button if you are on YouTube. Uh, give this video a thumbs up. Drop me a comment. Love to hear from you. And bless you as you walk with the King. Bye for now.